0: Very price goal pass right side here's Lewis cutting in Lewis you're listening to all the Kings men the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings however the views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors they do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings now here's your host Jesse Cohen.
1: Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. The Kings have most of this week off, Kings fans, so we are going to be bringing you just a ton of content to fill that time. We've got three episodes coming out in two days at the beginning of this week. We've got four or five planned for the full week. So if you haven't listened to me before, please do subscribe now, you guys. Or bookmark the Stitcher archive on your laptop if that's how you listen, because the episodes are just going to pile up. You're not going to want to miss any. We have a conversation with John Rosen and Jack Wilson that we've posted today. We've got a 50 Kings installment. We've got our rain update and post-game reactions to the Habs game in this episode. Not to mention all the episodes from this past weekend and the week before. It's a lot of stuff, you guys, and honestly, it's all good. You're not going to want to miss any of it. So subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com podcast. And currently, the easiest way to find the archive of past episodes you may have missed is to go to the All the Kings Men page at Stitcher. But we're working on a way to get you older episodes. So subscribe now. Never miss an episode. Here's our episode with Lindsay and Jack. Joining me now, Ontario Rain insider Lindsay Zarneski. How are you doing today, Lindsay?
2: Oh, I'm doing good, Jesse. How are you?
1: I'm doing excellent. So the Ontario Rain go out and win two in a row, a much needed uh, two game winning streak. They've sort of. I'm going to say they've struggled this season, but maybe uh, slightly disappointing. Um, what can you tell us about those two wins?
2: Well, I thought it was a good way to salvage the homestand for, for the rain, and um, it was a, definitely a complete 180 from what happened the weekend before where they you know, lost both games and this homestand was looking like it was going to be down in the dumps. But um, I thought that the win over Tucson on Friday, I mean 4-1, against a team that's been very good this season hadn't lost two games in a a row yet and so they they gave them their first uh two game losing streak I guess you could say but um a much better effort uh much more uh better attention to detail and you know you get Jack Campbell back so that was that was some good news and um to be honest it just seemed like the mood had completely changed and everybody's feeling much better about themselves after being able to get two wins on the weekend.
1: Let's talk about Jack Campbell, because the last time we spoke, I was sort of exasperated and laughing and, and uh, you (laughs) know, Campbell Campbell, it appeared may have injured himself and they had brought Troy Redman back in and, and, uh, and it it appeared to be chaos, but he came in, he wins both games. Uh, How, you know, is, is that it? Is Jack Campbell now cleared to play for the foreseeable future, barring any other knock on wood, (laughs) any other injuries?
2: (laughs) Well, we got to speak with him after Friday's win and he he looked really good. He didn't look uncomfortable at all, the word that we used so much uh the weekend before. Um he said that it was just a, a little tweak, nothing serious, kinda had uh taken that time off during the week and, and worked with the trainers and credited them with uh, you know, helping him get back up to speed, but um, definitely one of his uh, better performances. The rain had to kill two huge penalties at the end of the second period, and Tucson has the best power play in the league. Um, and I thought that he was just able to kind of answer the bell in, in terms of that. And he made it sound like he was feeling uh, v- very good uh, physically. So that's a good sign for the rain. I mean, they just, to be honest, Jesse, it's been difficult because we haven't even really had a chance to really watch Jack Campbell. Uh that much this mm-hmm. season, so it was nice to kind of get a good look at him for two games in a row and then um going into the following day against charlotte um he probably gave he definitely gave a one goal that he's gonna want back a, a bad angle bad angle shot that tied the game up the the first goal actually was scored by chris Newberry, former rain Center, as you remember from from last mm-hmm. season just a, another another weird bad angle uh shot that caused a rebound. Um that Newberry was able to pick up, but um with that in mind, the rain were able to kind of battle through maybe some some bad goals by uh given up by Jack Campbell, and um were able to kind of come out with that win, so a big goal at the end of the game but by, by Brett Sutter just ended the ended the weekend on a very nice note. So the Kings have played the
1: Tucson Road, or sorry, not the Kings, the Rain, uh, have played the uh, the Tucson Roadrunners three times now. They're the new team in the league, obviously. Uh, they lost both previous outings against them, but they won this one. You mentioned it was a big win. Um, how good did the Tucson Roadrunners look, and how encouraged should we be that they went from losing to them in regulation, losing to them in overtime, and now defeating them in regulation?
2: Well, they they look pretty good. I mean they they play a different style, uh, a lot more speed game uh for them. So they did have a different goalie in net. Um it wasn't the same goalie Aiden Hell that the Rain had faced uh, previously when they played uh Tucson in Tucson. So the Rain actually are on the road this week, uh play Wednesday Friday in Tucson. So I think that'll be a, a good measuring stick. But I thought that the win um the win on Friday was I mean, definitely a big one for the rain, especially because um, they haven't had too many games where they're scoring that many goals, and to be able to come out four-one was was pretty huge.
1: Now, obviously, it's too early in the year to worry about playoff standings or, or you know all that. <laughs> but with two important wins, how how did the rain feel about the rest of their season, and how are they looking as compared to the rest of the league?
2: Well, I think they feel much better about themselves. That seemed to be the the theme of uh, the post game discussions on, on the last game, but I mean just complete 180 after feeling like kind of down in the dumps and just finally, I think Brodzinski said, you know, we're living up to the way that we think we should be playing. And I think a lot of fans have been waiting for the team to sort of play this way to their full capability. And uh, I think Jack Campbell too said on, on Friday night that, you know, when we, play to our ability we get the results you see the results uh that we get with you know the win that they had the the huge penalty kill that i already mentioned and just being able to kind of stick with everything so the rain are definitely in a good spot and now and now it's important to just kind of keep riding that confidence into this weekend or into this week i should say
1: and uh they find themselves now with uh what 20 points um bundled up again not uh, tied with tucson and just behind san diego so, mm-hmm. uh presumably that bodes well for them now uh I have decided <laughs> that I have a new favorite <laughs> R- rain player. <laughs> um, I admit it's a bit of a bandwagon pick or a front running pick, I should say, because he currently leads the team in scoring. but uh, I noticed him in the few games I was able to watch earlier this season and i've and I keep noticing his name come up when I'm reading your reports and watching the highlights, and that's Johnny Brodzinski, so we've talked about him briefly on the pod before but uh, uh-huh. let's get a little bit deeper into his strengths and what kind of game johnny Brodzinski plays
2: well when we spoke about him last week it's just the biggest thing about him is just his shot his ability to rip one-timers i mean his, his slap shot is just through the roof he's been called a natural scored St- Stutz called him a a goal scored and opportunistic. He was able to score on a breakaway against Charlotte, which was, uh, you know, really a great read in the defensive zone. Uh, he he said at post game that he noticed the defenseman talking about going D to D, and he was able to just steal the pass, fight off the back checker, and score on a breakaway. Um, and he joked too that he hadn't scored on a breakaway in maybe like ten tries or something like that. So, um, I really like Johnny Brodzinski's game. I think. It, um, he's been maybe surpassing some of the expectations that were on him coming into the season. And he's playing important minutes too. And he also factored in on the game winning goal on, on Saturday for um, Brett Sutter's school. So he's getting into those dirty areas for, for that type of type of an assist. And um, I've just been totally impressed with him so far this season, but I don't, he didn't really catch me off guard completely. I mean, I think some other people might've been, you know, honing in on Kempe and things mm-hmm. like that, but um, he just took a little while to get going last year. Um, I think it was like the first 17 games or so. He hadn't had a goal. It was just sort of adjusting to the, to the pro game a little bit, but he like Nick Dowd, your other favorite player <laughs> and Kevin Revell, who's now yep. um, up with the Kings. He's a St. Cloud uh, state guy and um, things have done really well so far with these st cloud state prospects so um jesse you got to get out to ontario and now and and watch this guy play
1: i mean believe me i'm going to uh i'm not gonna (laughs) i've already been to a couple this year i'm not gonna wait for the playoffs um but i mean is there something about you know one of the arguments that i have with kings fans frequently is they they complain that the team traded away too many draft picks and my argument is always they have depth, the Kings, the big club that is, they have depth at skilled positions that are young enough, mm-hmm. guys like Dowdy, guys like Toffoli, Kopitar, that are going to be there for a number of seasons. So so guys like Kempe or Amadio uh, can be brought along slowly. What what the team really needs is guys like Dowd or Brodzinski or Gravel that are a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned, whether it's through extra years in juniors or college players. Does Brodzinski have the kind of maturity in his game that could see him maybe someday this season called up to fill in on a spot role for the Kings, not in a top six role, not, you know, being relied on to provide scoring, but more in the role that say like a Dwight King or a Jordan Nolan were asked to fill uh, when they were called up in 2012.
2: I mean, it's possible. He could be a, a late season call up, but to be honest, when you talk about his maturity, I think it's still, it's still coming along in some ways. And I think that's a good thing too, because you know, it can continue to, to get better. But um, if he were to be called up, it would be on one of those, you know, lower lines, I would think. But um, from the, from the wing, I mean, he just has such a, he has such a great shot that has to be respected. And um, there's a lot of upside for him and I I think it's a little too early to figure out if he's going to be called up or not. But I mean, if they had, had to bring up somebody today. I mean, based on results, he's he's up there.
1: Well, there are there's no one path to the NHL, and uh, I'm very curious to see mm-hmm. uh, how Johnny Brzezinski's career progresses. Um, at the opposite end of the uh, NHL experience spectrum, let's talk briefly about huh. Ro- Rob Scuderi um, because he found himself playing in another game for the Ontario Reign. Uh, that's now what four games for Scuderi this season. Um why did we see Rob Scuderi dressing, dressing for the rain again?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, Demir Sharpsiyanov was suspended on Friday or Saturday. I should, morning, I should say, but he had an instigating uh, call late in the game, which uh, resulted in a suspension. So, um, the rain needed some more bodies back on the, on the blue line. So Scuderi drew in and I thought, you know, he had a, he had a, pretty good game i mean he's not going to be that flashy guy i mean everybody knows cadary and what he Mm -hmm. brings but i thought that um there were two instances in that game where he he saved a puck that was on the goal line and trickling in and then even in the third period when the game was uh tied and the rain were sort of um playing a little up and down and um you couldn't really tell if they were going to have that go ahead goal but he broke up a 2 on 1 and made it look so easy um and there were just many times where he's just you know making the right decisions making the right passes a lot, a lot of times at the AHL level you see uh you know the the passing maybe isn't as crisp as the NHL level and you can just tell uh with his experience that every time he's making a pass it's right on the tape and uh, when the Reina uh, needed to insert him in the, into the lineup, he's he's been ready, and that's all they can really ask for of him.
1: Have you had a chance to speak to him about what his expectations for the rest of the year are, or is he still sorting it out, do you suppose?
2: Um, he is the hardest guy uh, to get um, after practice because he's doing that commute uh, back from – in the South Bay so a lot of a lot of the times where I have tried to speak with him he's um, heading back to um, you know deal with some some family stuff maybe picking up his kids that sort of thing so I haven't had the chance to speak speak with him too much but um, it seems like the expectations sort of stay have have stayed the same that he's here to help well whenever he's called upon
1: well, hopefully, uh, there won't be <laughs> too many suspensions <laughs> to other players. Um, I want to thank you, as always,
2: for joining me, Lindsay. You're welcome, Jesse. Thanks for having me.
1: And uh, as you said, uh, I should get out to more uh, rain games, and Kings fans should get out to more rain games. So, uh, once again, we implore you, Kings fans, go watch the Ontario rain, go see Johnny Brodzinski, and then next year <laughs> or two years from now, when he's a king. You can fight with us over who saw him first,
2: <laughs> which, is, which is what it's all
1: really about. All right, thanks again, Lindsay. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Joining me in the press box at Staples Center, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing today, Jack?
0: Doing well, doing well. Uh,
1: look, the Kings lose 5-4 to four in a shootout to Montreal. I generally try and shy away from moral victories, although I do, uh, as the half pointed out on our last post-game podcast, I do have this tendency of a rewarding wins or accomplishments that weren't necessarily... <laughs> Earned. I'm going to call this a win. Uh, <laughs> it's a 5-4 shootout loss that, in my mind, is a win because they stopped the team from scoring on them within the first shot of the game. But, yeah, it was like the third shot of the game, the Montreal scores. But outside of that goal, they, they stayed step for step with the Montreal Canadiens, arguably one of the, yeah, if not the best, one of the best teams in the league. And they not only held their own, they controlled play and dominated for stretch of this game. So what do you think of this game? I wouldn't
0: call it a a, a moral victory, but I would say it was definitely a well-deserved point. Um, You know, when you can put up four goals on Carey Price, who's right now the best Mm goaltender in the he
1: Is he, though? (laughs) <laughs> yes, right, Jesse, he is. He is. Right.
0: Uh, yes, is he, though, Is he. Right. Um, so I think it was a well-deserved point, and to put up four against him, and, and yes, control play, and, and at the same time be, you know, opportunistic uh, with the opportunities that they had in, in you know creating power plays and and, and converting on those. Uh, so I think it was it, it was a hell of a game by you know the the team to to come together and 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 offensively you know produce against Carey Price. There was a, a chart they flashed during the game that showed where, where goals are scored
1: on Carey Price. And obviously not a ton not a ton are scored on him. But when they are, it's uh, glove side. Uh, glove side high more frequently and, and glove side low second most frequently. And it was really instructive to watch in the, in the shootout. Kopitar and Carter knew exactly where to shoot and put it there perfectly. Kopitar's shootout goal. Oh, man. Uh... Look, he had three assists tonight, so this is not to criticize Andrzej Kopitar, but we have said repeatedly over the last number of years on All the Kingsmen, I don't know that there's a a player more dangerous than Andrzej Kopitar in the slot. Right? Like, just in the slot, he has an insane, insane shot. His shooting percentage is always relatively high, and his total shots are always... I don't want to say they're low, but they're middle of the pack, and so he doesn't score a ton of goals. But honestly, if he were a little more selfish, a little greedier, and and a, just a, <laughs> took that shot a little bit more, I really think he'd have a ton more goals in his career. Mm-hmm. Obviously, right, it hasn't hurt him any, so this is not a complaint, just an <laughs> observation. But what did you think of those two shots against Carey Price in the shootout?
0: Well, I think that just, you know, as a, a fan of hockey, I think mm. it shows how analytics and how statistics in sports have changed our game Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the same time you know it's you got two smart smart players and the reason that they are so successful in their careers is because they can take information like that and convert it physically and and go out and produce Uh, so that being said you know uh, Kobitar and Carter, I mean unbelievable plays in the shootout mm. and let alone in the game. Both of them played extremely well to get where we were in that shootout. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said with the stats that they flashed during the game, glove side, you know, Carter's power play goal, glove side high, just a rocket. Yeah. You know, it was a it was a point play shot, you know, where, you know, Carey Price saw it and and Carter just beat him. Yeah. So I think uh, you know again it was I mean this is by far I think the most entertaining game the Kings have played all, all season. Uh, offensively back and forth, you know, never got out of hand in either direction and we ended in a shootout after a, a great 3 on 3 bout. So uh, you know it's again, you know, it's a well-deserved point and you know the the statistics have shown that, you know, if there is one place that he's not as great as he and Carry Price is, uh, it's, it's that glove side, and, and the Kings did take advantage of today in, in both regular, you know, in overtime, or not overtime, but in regulation and in the shootout.
1: You know, it's funny, you, you mentioned back and forth, and yet one of the things that stood out to me was heading into overtime. The shots on goal, I think it was like 25 to 23 or something like that. I mean, it was in the 20s yeah. um, in a game that, like you said, felt to me yeah. like, you know, high-paced, back-and-forth, tons of chances. Um, and, and that overtime, I think that was one of the most exciting overtimes I've seen in a long time. Coaches have figured out how to tamp it down, mm-hmm. let it, you know, slow it down. But when you have that kind of talent on both sides, sometimes, you know, things mm-hmm. just happen. And there was one play, uh, we spoke about it before we started recording, where Gabrick, uh, I can't even remember, I guess it must have been Kopitar, uh, gets in the puck but he's got a man on him, and he just lets... He doesn't touch the puck, he just lets it slide mm-hmm. for an extra, I don't know, maybe nine inches. <laughs> and that's enough time for him to, you know, get inside position on his man and, and collect that puck. And, again, that's not a... It's not a dangerous play, it's not a back and... You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that the that the overtime is out of control, but it's just smart, skilled players playing, playing at the highest level. Was, uh, for a noon game, I wasn't expecting it. I expected a much slower... Uh, Dull
0: affair. Well, plus, I mean, the, the past that we've had in, in, in noon games or afternoon games with the Kings, uh, you know, we'll take the one point even though it, it, it felt a little, you know, like a letdown after scoring four goals against the NHL's best goalie. Um, but I think, you know, when you touched on Gabrick, it was just it was another step in the right direction for both the Kings, the offense, and Gabrick himself. You know, coming back off of an injury uh, that, you know, was obviously unexpected with the World Cup of Hockey, It was great to see a little bit more normality out of of Gabrick, and and, and you saw the production with Kopitar. You know, him him on the same line, Lewis scored a goal. He's playing great. Let's talk about that Trevor Lewis goal. Yeah, the Trevor (laughs) Lewis goal, I mean, is this our regular first-line guy right now? It looks like it is.
1: I mean, for years, we would always point out, Trevor Lewis was drafted in the first round, right? Like, this was not... This is not a seventh-round draft pick who, who came out of nowhere and cobbled together an NHL career out of himself. <laughs> Trevor Lewis is a hard-working, wonderful hockey player. Yes. I mean, we, we make fun of him because he doesn't tend to score. I mean, we don't make fun of him, but it is impossible to ignore the fact that he doesn't ha- have a ton of goals in his career. But when he does, uh, man, they're fun And that one, oh, I mean... <laughs> That was a great move. Did it, I don't know about where you were sitting, but everybody over where I was sitting all just... Jaw-dropping. Yeah, arms went out yeah. to grab the person next to you to say, like, yeah. did that yeah. just happen? And yeah. it was my first... on um, The first time, you know, just watching it live with my own eyes, I thought, oh, it must have bounced off of Price's leg and then off of the pipe and then into the... There's no way. He just beat him clean. <laughs> then you watch the replay, and it was...
0: It was it was it was a goal scorer mentality. You know, you, you faked him out, and um, you know, I don't know what the stats say on that, but Carey <laughs> Price went for the fake—it's it's, it's got to be rare. Yeah, it's got to be rare. And but you know, to see you know a guy who's taking advantage of an opportunity in which, you know, it wasn't there for the first 25 games of this season, it, it's good to see a guy who's, you know, had a lengthy career up and down a, a roster within the NHL to, to take advantage of playing with a guy like Kopitar and, and you know, the skill set of, of a Gabrick and the goal-scoring mentality that that first line has. So I think it, it, it's, you know, again, you know, Trevor Lewis, you know, we, we we've never really ignored the fact that he hasn't been able to put the puck in the net as of late, uh, but right now, you know, this, this team is grooving on the, offensive, uh, on the offensive side of the puck. And, you know, hopefully with the goaltending that I know we're going to you know, talk about here coming up, uh, hopefully the goaltending can, you know, you know, stop the puck more than, uh, you know, letting the puck in four yeah. or five times a game.
1: You mentioned the groove they're on. Today, uh, Trevor Lewis played 14 minutes and 37 seconds of five-on-five five hockey with Andre Kopitar Um, Marion Gabbert played 13 minutes and 42 seconds. So we're actually starting to see some lines forming, sticking, playing together. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got now, with Kopitar's line, with Carter's line, two productive, offensive, dangerous lines. Um, Setaguchi scratched for the second game in a row. Um, Not that they need offense from that third line, but... But now that they do have a different look with Brown, King, and, and Dowd, what did
0: you think of the bottom six to today? I thought the bottom six were still productive. Mm-hmm. You know, Dowdy, or not Dowdy, um, sorry. That's all cut that out. Um, you know, I thought the bottom six were productive in a sense of, you know, building offensive and, and holding the puck in the offensive zone and still creating opportunities within the game. Uh, you know, that being said, having set a Gucci out for that second game, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic of that and where they go with with that uh, that bottom six unit. Um, but I still think, you know, with what Brown is doing, you know, he's played well and he's he's kind of filling into his role to the point where I think that we're comfortable uh, with his production. So I was happy with it. I think. Offensively, I think we played a great game. Defensively, I think there were some errors, and, and within our <laughs> yes, four there were. goals, and, <laughs> yeah. and then a sh- obviously a loss. But uh, you know, defensively, there were some errors, and, 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 and you know, a penalty in overtime didn't help, even though yeah. you didn't really know it was going to happen. But I, I think you know, it was a little bit of aggressiveness. I think you know we may have gotten ahead of ourselves on the defensive standpoint, uh, but at the same time you know they took advantage of it when we made those mistakes and that's why we're sitting here with one point instead of two and you know you look at the stats
1: and obviously it's all it's still all incredibly bunched up there they're a point behind anaheim uh two points behind Edmonton with a game in hand and three points behind san jose i think san jose is clearly the class of the division at this point but um one of the things i wanted to touch on earlier you mentioned you know a point uh in an in an afternoon game but not only that a point in a game where, at the start of the season, and not even the start, through up up till two games ago, yeah. it was win three, lose three, win three, lose three, win five, lose five. You know, it was it was streaks, and now we have you know that loss to the Sharks, which was disappointing, but then they come right back the next day, they pick up a win, yep. an unconventional win, admittedly, <laughs> but a win nonetheless. Um, <laughs> then today, right against uh, an opponent that I, again, top of the league, yeah, top of the league. Um, and they they, you know, they show up and they fight and they get a point. And so, rather than have right another three game losing streak, they're now one one and one in a, in a sequence of games that I think after the Sharks' loss, if you had said they're going to be zero and three in the, over the next three games,
0: wouldn't surprise you. Yeah,
1: I mean, you'd say like, okay, really, they're going to lose to Phoenix, but or sorry, Arizona, but
0: <laughs> but it take a while for
1: you. Yeah, it's never going to happen. So. So now they're one, one, and one. They've got they've got four days to collect themselves to get ready for the next game. And so so I'm encouraged by that. Now let's talk about the goaltending because this was Peter Budai's, if I'm not mistaken. Peter Budai's 23rd straight appearance. Um, look, even for a goalie, you know, like Jonathan Quick uh, or Mika Kupersoft, that plays 70, 71, 72 games a season, that's a 23 straight appearances is a tremendous amount. I don't want to overreact because obviously Carey Price also gave up four goals in this game. But uh, Budai was pulled against Arizona. Now he gives up four to Montreal. Do we think that uh, this is a shaky streak of play because of, of overplaying? Or is this just a, a
0: coincidence? I think, it's, I think it's a little bit of both. It's not one or the other, but in, in reality... You know, this isn't an NHL starting goalie mm-hmm. You know, he is there by default With the injuries that we've dealt with uh, And then at the same time you know, 23 straight games for anyone Is, is going to, to physically drain you And for a guy who's in his 30s Who, you know, wasn't here At the beginning of the year It's a little concerning to, to see How much we've relied on him But at the same time, you know When a goalie's playing well You've got to keep him in net um, So, you know, I think it was he, he did get pulled against Arizona, but at the same time, you know, it gave him a little bit of a breather to, to rest up for today. Now again, you know, do you make it twenty four straight? I mean, maybe because he has three days off until Thursday. So uh, it's you know within that locker room and what Sutter wants to do and how much trust he has in Zach Koff. I, I think you know seeing him play twenty three straight, you know, has a little bit of a say towards what he believes and what Budai is doing and and what Zach Koff is capable of. Uh, but at the same time. You know, 23 straight, all of a sudden you look until, you know, 40 games later, you know, he can't play 55 of those 60 games. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and, and definitely something to keep an eye on because, again, you know, a guy is in his 30s on the back nine of his career uh, and, and – Know, not you know of the skill set of someone who should be playing 55 out of 60 games. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, the superstitious fan in me wants to see Zach Hoff in net just because right Budai has exceeded every expectation right for for oh. for filling in for Quick beyond, right beyond expectations and and so every game that it continues, there's that little voice in my head that just says, you know, you're you're risking, right, like at some point yeah. he's going to come down from this Something elevated, right, yeah. and so I would rather establish cough in a in a groove and get both of them playing, yeah. you know, like right now, let's say we're getting, if on a scale of one to ten, let's say we're getting an eight out of Budai right yeah. now, I'd rather take Zakhoff and Budai both playing at a six, then see an eight, and then all of a sudden see a two. And a three. <laughs> right, and then we don't know what we're getting out of yeah. Um Hopefully, Quick will be back sooner than later. Uh, again, none of this is to criticize Peter Budai. Carey Price gave up four in this game too, so um, it is what it is. But, but again, just the nervous fan in me, you know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> uh, present. Yeah, it, Jonathan Quick can't come back. Soon, soon enough, enough. Er, you know uh, McNabb can't come back soon enough we saw Purcell um, assigned to Ontario today so we're getting Andre off back this team right they've weathered the storm they've, they've stayed in the race all the yes. metaphors for keeping pace with the rest of the teams um But we're starting to see not a ton of of, uh, space opening up between the good teams and the bad teams, but certain teams are starting to fall behind, right? Like Arizona at this point, not going to make the playoffs. That much is clear. Vancouver, you know, Wells, I think they're only technically like four points behind the Kings, but that's with games in hand. or sorry, Calgary is uh, two points behind but with two games in hand. So you're starting to see, you know, Colorado not going to make it, Arizona is not going to make it, Vancouver and Calgary, unless they do something to turn around, probably not going to make it. We've we've talked at length about Thanksgiving being the, the sort of the point in time where playoff teams start to cement their position, you know, it's 80% of teams or whatever. So uh, Edmonton doesn't appear to be going anywhere. It's going to be really tough to crack that top three in the Pacific. And so the Kings have to start, and and as we mentioned, they're doing it right. This wasn't a losing streak. This was a one-one and one. So, um, and they're getting goals up and down the lineup. So I am I am encouraged by this game. Um, did you have any thoughts on on Teddy Purcell being waved? I'm curious.
0: I I really don't know because we didn't see a whole lot of him up here, and yeah. that's what you know. He's dealt with some injuries and then some issues uh, with that. That, you know, we when he was playing, you know, he, he either hadn't really gotten in a groove and he, he didn't have an opportunity to, to, to play, you know, good minutes to the point where he could be comfortable with the roster that he was, you know, mm-hmm. you know on the ice with. So it, it doesn't surprise me because of, you know, seeing, you know, who is producing up here, and, right. and certain players, you know, that, it, that you know, should be made aware is certain players can't just come in and play fourth-line minutes. You know, you can't bring up a certain guy that needs to play, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game on a second or third line because if he doesn't play that many minutes, he's not effective. personal might be one of those guys, you know. For his career, he's always played, you know, top three, you know, Top three forward line pairings, uh, you know. As of lately, it's kind of dwindled. But I, I, I think it'll be good to get him some ice time, get see him healthy, get him on the ice, and hopefully with that will come some success. And then you know maybe a, a spot you know fills in on those top nine where he can step into play uh, in the near future. Um, beyond that, I can't say I'm very surprised. Just because Andreoff has been on this roster, we've seen him succeed so far in the role that they've been giving him. Purcell. Still a question mark. So it doesn't surprise me. I think the biggest surprise for me was just that it
1: was, you know, I, I think we all expected before Gabbert got hurt and Setaguchi signed a PTO, yeah. I think it was sort of tacitly understood that when the time comes to get rid of an extra forward, that Setaguchi is on the list. And, you know, he's been scratched two games, but, look, personally, he played 12 games. Yeah. Um, and obviously they haven't made any final decisions yet. But um, the fact that... Purcell was waived, cleared waivers, and was sent to Ontario, and Devin Sataguchi was just a scratch, Um, speaks a lot to their faith in Devin (laughs) Sataguchi. For whatever reason, he clearly fits into their plans better than Teddy Purcell, and that I mean, I, I don't want to be crass about it. It could just be a question of financials, right? Uh, I think uh, Setaguchi makes 1.2 million less than uh, than Purcell or something in that area, but, but it also could be just as you said, you know, the, the type of player and the fit it is. Anyway. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up. Things are starting to get crowded here as they convert to the Clippers game. But, uh, Jack, thanks for joining me as always. Anytime. Thanks for having me. And uh, you want to mention your foundation again? to Direct people for uh, holiday donations?
0: Yeah, um, holiday donations, Believe in Miracles Foundation. Uh, the website is belieffoundation.org, B-E-L-1-3-V-E, foundation.org. Uh, spinal cord injury research uh, is the main uh, go-to with what we're doing right now, and we've seen uh, tremendous progress in, in, in what... Has gone on in the initial stages, and um, you know, working to get people with paralysis back on their feet. I
1: can't think of a better cause. Uh. Uh, so thanks, as always, for Jack Jablonski. My name is Jesse Goins. Thanks for listening to King Sense. We'll talk to you soon.